Okay, we're on we're on page on page Memches. Page Memches. We're talking about we're talking about a subject that a subject that we're all familiar with, at least theoretically. And that's laziness. Atlas <coughs> Atzlus and Hisrapis, and we've been learning in the Chavzat Talmidim that there are two levels of, the two types, two categories of laziness. Outright Atzlus, outright laziness, is a person who's totally unmotivated, which is very easy to detect in oneself, or certainly in others. As far as Hisrapis is concerned, that's much more, the Rebbe says that that's more dangerous because Hisrapas, in the life of the Misrapa, we see that things are accomplished. The person is not totally, is, is not totally unmotivated. He, he could be somebody who is successful and is accomplished, but everything that he does is done without engaging Nefeshuach Nisham, his entire being. And there's a certain, there's a, there's a certain deficiency and all that he does. And we were talking about that last week by Rikas. And the Rebbe's addressing the Misrape, this Bacher, that means us, directly. And soon he's going to begin, begin with practical ages, practical advice. Once we all will finally surrender and say, okay, okay, it's me. And there's still some of you that are holding out. But by the end of the parak, we'll pretty much be all, all be maskim, well, almost all of us will be maskim that, okay, that that's me. And now what? So what do we do? So the the, the tzaddik doesn't live, doesn't leave us chas shalom without eitzis. The point here is not the point of the sefer is not to uh, is is not to uh, point out our deficiencies, but for the purpose of curing and for helping. So on page memches, in the middle of the page. He says, I would like to ask you, Mishrape, why is it? Why is it that when when the opportunity arrives for you to go on some trip, on a vacation, some some place that you really love to go? And you're rejoicing, you're happy to go. Then Why is it possible that the same person that when it comes to when it comes to minion, when it comes to when it comes to a seder and learning, and how he learns? So in those in that the person is never on time. Everything is unbelievably painful and difficult. But when it comes to something that you love doing. You're you're up early, you know. You're packing a lunch, and you're all excited, and you're 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 moving, you're moving. You get up early in the morning. You bezer goyim at and you're dressed so quickly. And everything that you do is careful and is done quickly. <laughs> and even when it comes to an Erev Pesach and getting ready in the preparations the final preparations for Pesach over there 
you know, normally you're late with everything. But with everything else that you do, there has, there's hesitation. It's like you're falling asleep in the middle. And it's done without any time, without any cheshek. But, not, but when it comes to Erev Pesach and making the final preparations, then, then the person is able quickly to take care of it. He says, Because this particular avod, getting the seder ready, if preparing the things for the seder, that's ahuvlecha. That's something which you love to do. And your soul rejoices in that. So, therefore, your soul is awakened with strength. And your soul <coughs> takes hold of all of the parts of your intellect and your body, and everything comes to life, the Rebbe says. Your entire being comes to life. Because your soul, your soul is invested in this act. When a person does things without the neshama, when he does things without the soul, so even though, even though he might physically be carrying it out, and even though on some level his mind must be at work, still it's without any chiyas, it's without any life. It's totally unanimated and unmotivated. But here, where the, where the, where the soul of the person is excited about Pesach, and excited about the Seder, so then the mayach, the mind, and the goof, everything becomes caught up in that. Ms. Amtsim, and everything becomes part of that effort. Nothing is fainting, everything is awake and not sleeping. So then you have to ask yourself, in general, you have to ask yourself in your life, why is it that when it comes to davening or learning, and mitzvahs on, on a regular day of the week, why is it that it's not so beloved to you? That when it comes to when it comes to the regular service of Hashem, not Erev Pesach, when it comes to the regular service of Hashem, your soul doesn't, your soul is not involved, your nefesh is not involved in in your davening and your learning. It's necessary to awaken this strong life, and that our minds and our bodies should become completely excited. And engaged with Simchan with his Chaskas. He says, Memtas, Yeshnam Harbe Anoshim, there are many people, Yeshnam Harbe Anoshim, Shalibam Sholimim Hashem, that in their hearts they're, they're whole with Hashem. Misabim Mishtakikim Laavdo, and they're always filled, they always have a longing to serve Hashem. Ubisholshim Adabim Mimohim, and when you speak to these people, you would think that that in every fiber of the being, you would think that this person is mamish, is mamish, you know, excited and immersed in Avodas Hashem when you talk to him. The truth is that these are people that they have a rotsen, they have a strong will, but that's all that they have is this rotsen. But in terms of who they really are, they're small. They're not anywhere. They're not anywhere near the 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 that they express when you see them and, they, and you talk to them. The rotsen is is unbelievable. But when it comes to Maisa, nothing much comes of these people. Comes from these people. 
Kitomid Kasherak, he says, Kitomid Kasherak, Yishtaikaku, Vikablu Aleim Lavai, Hayat Sahar, because it's true, they, they're not, it's not, it's not, it's not a lie, these people really do. They really do have a Yishtaikakus, they really do have a Ratsan, they, they do have a will to serve Hashem, they want to. But the problem is, that Hayat Sahara Mazmalahem Miniyas, that once it comes to actually getting down to it, so they're all excited, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn this year, I'm going to, I'm, I'm gonna make, you know, a Siyam, I'm gonna finish, you know, Masechta Bav Metziyah, I'm gonna finish Masechta, Masechta Megillah, whatever it is, I'm gonna make a Siyam this year. And they really mean it, and they love Torah, and they're excited about Torah, and it means a lot to them, they wanna finish that Gemara. But when it comes when it comes to the actual lamaisa, in other words, the thought of finishing Masechta Megillah or Masechta Bav Metziah thrills that individual. The only problem is Wednesday morning, like December eighth. That's a problem, you know, especially when it's dark out. That's a problem. So at that time, when it comes to doing it, so Yitzhar Mazlehem and Nias, then all of a sudden the evil inclination brings forth many obstacles. And they're like defeated immediately. They're defeated immediately. They don't even put up much of a fight. And it's, it's amazing. Because he talked up a good game. Like he's, the guy who's mamish excited. And he's gonna do this and he's gonna do that and he, and, and, and it doesn't, Bichlal doesn't get anywhere. But if they were strong, really strong. And ambitious, and they didn't have this this sickness of his rapus of half-heartedness. In terms of how they do something, then then they would not be they would not be prevented from doing this by any obstacle, whether it was great or small. And they would strengthen themselves with the Ruach Hashem, and, 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 and they would go on with their Avodah, and they would overcome that obstacle, whatever the obstacle is that's in the way. The problem is that from the time of this individual's being a little child, there is this Hisrapas, there is this, there, there is this type of laziness from the time that he's a child, or he's weak-willed or half-hearted in what he does. So this person, who's the Misrape, the second that a Mania comes his way, the second that there's some sort of, a, of an obstacle, that's it. He can't do it. And he imagines it to be, he imagines this to be something which is absolutely, absolutely beyond his kaihas. Even though the person who would, who is a misamate, that individual who is a chorus, who's ambitious and who doesn't have this machla, to him that type, that type of a mania would would almost would almost be a joke, would almost be a joke. You have a certain person. There are people. All of us, you know, we we grew up in the same in the same sviva and we grew up in the same basic mahalach. You know, there are people who they have like a sniffle. They have a sniffle. It's a whole inion. Like if they have, if their nose is running. 
you know, and everybody in the family has to like know about it. And 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 they and, and then when they walk into shul, it's like if they make it because they have a sniffle that could be serious. And everybody and then and you see like the person has to show you that he's tired and that he's ill and and that and it becomes like a whole Indian if this person doesn't feel well. You have another person who could be God for be walking around with Khalila something which is really serious and you would never know. You wouldn't realize in a second. It's almost a definite sim, and I'm not talking about hypochondria. That, that could be uh, some serious psychological issue. I'm not talking. It's all, the person. It's all, it's almost always a sim of the misrape because maybe he'll come to shul when he has a sniffle, but if it, but if it's actually if he actually has to use tissues, then he'll have to stay home because the tissues in shul are not as soft as the ones at home. And it's a whole seder of the misrape and how he's affected by the slightest, like the slightest little thing that comes his way. It's a huge event in his life. You know, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a headache, so then uh, you know he can't function, and it's it's part of that. It's part of that teva of the misrape that can be overcome. That can be overcome. I'm not talking, God forbid, with this with something that's really wrong. But stop, it's little things in life that all become major ordeals major ordeals and the person throws up his hands well what do you expect me to do what, what can I do about this and, and it's like that at work it's like that with learning it's like that with diving it's like that uh, helping in the house and everything is everything requires this like huge effort and if there's anything that's not exactly the way that it was planned so then it becomes very very um, stressful in the house and, and the wife and the children are going to are going to suffer from this because there was because there's something that's not going the way that the the way that he wanted and there's something that's in the way and you know, it's a whole big thing <coughs> so this is a certain he says that they have this in the time that the children this is a certain thing that's that's in the teva of the person from the time that he's a child. He got used to this from the time that he's a child. That any time there's a mania, any time there's any obstacle, there's anything in his way, then he can't be mischazik. He, he becomes, he becomes, he feels that he's overwhelmed by that obstacle. So he says to this baruch listen, it's very nice that you have a rotsen. It's very nice that you want to finish Mesechta, you know, Baba Metziah this year. It's very nice that you're planning on, you know, on, on getting up early for davening and having a seder before davening. You're going to have a chavrus and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And it's very sweet. And the rotzen is it's a real rotzen, but that's not enough, the Rebbe says. And because of your rotzen, because of your will alone, that's not, that's not reason enough to rejoice. That, that, that's not, you're not finished. Because if you're not if you're not going to uh, uproot if you're not going to uproot and eliminate this meat of hisrapus of half heartedness if you're not going to uproot that and if you don't implant within yourself the meat of zrizus and charitas of being ambitious and quick then then you're not going to end up doing what you want. You're just not going to end up doing it. He says now, look, the entire Jewish people, as I, he says, as I said before, the entire Jewish people, Anakash Baruch himself is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. 
and you have the ability to be a real Jew. The Kadesh is Am Yisrael. To bring more Kedusha holiness to the Jewish people. And to draw, and to draw the master of the world into this world that he created. It's all within your reach. But the Rebbe says, if all of this does not suffice, to awaken your soul. If the thought of this, that all the Jewish people, and Hashem Baruch himself is waiting for you, and you have the ability to draw the Shekhinah into this world, if all of that does not inspire and encourage you enough, to awaken your soul, that you shouldn't be lazy and have hearted to your hearts, if that's if it hasn't worked until now, the Rebbe says, then Shmana Moshalam then let me tell you Moshal. This is a very famous Moshal of the Rebbe's, and you're gonna find it disturbing. And you have some kashas. Maisa Basandlu Yehudi Oni Beritisro. Shadar Ali Madarh. The Maisa of a shoemaker who lived in Aitisro, who lived by the road. And a poor person. His entire panasa was, since he had his place by the road, with people coming and going. So that was his panasa, that people were walking on the road. So their sandals were tearing, so he, they, they would stop off from the shoes, they would stop off by him, and he would repair them. He would, he would repair the, the broken straps. His panosa was 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 meager. Next page, But he lived a peaceful life. He was satisfied with his wife and his children. He was a very God fearing person. Taught all the members of his household that man's life in this world is short and temporary. And the main thing is eternal life in the higher world. And he taught his family, he taught his, his wife and children that, that they should enjoy the pleasures of being close to, to, to Hashem. And even though they might not be able to afford you know, PlayStation or Seasons tickets, they could still they could still enjoy life, life could still have meaning. And he taught his family, And what point is there in, even in all of the money that a person has if, if he can't serve Hashem and he doesn't draw near to him? Lamdan Loihaya. This poor, this poor Sandler, this poor Shoemaker was not a Lamdan. He wasn't a, he wasn't a Talmud Chacham. But according to his ability, when he was free in the day and the night, he would try to learn and he would try to daven. And it happened sometimes that his soul was so awakened, with his slave ma'od was inflamed. To really call out to Hashem, he wanted in a way where there'd be nobody that would bother him. The and he would leave his little house that one room little shack that he had and he would go out to the forest actually that wasn't far from where he lived
So some of the people who were walking on the road, they would see from a distance, they would see from a distance a man standing in the in the woods and his face was on fire. And he would be called, he would be davening and speaking to Hashem. In such a way that it's as if he was standing in front of the throne of Hashem, that it, as if the man, as if he could see it with his own eyes. And Tomu Pachadu. And the people were wondering, and they were frightened. But those who already knew the, the, the shoemaker, when they saw from a distance somebody screaming in the forest, they knew, ah, don't worry, that's, that's our friend, the, the poor shoemaker. That even the goyim, even the goyim knew him to be a righteous man, to be a pious person, and they, would, and they called him that. And it was in the early days of the last war, that's World War I, and because of that, because of the difficulties at the time, that there were no longer people walking along that road. And even the little Parnassah that he had, was already, already, was no longer, was no longer there. And it came to a point where he didn't have any bread, not for him and his wife and children. And it came a second day and everybody was hungry. And the children were fasting and crying, Father, please give us something to eat, we shouldn't die in hunger. It was already the third day. Everybody already could, they, they couldn't sit up anymore. They were lying down. They had no strength. They were calling out, Tata, Father, bread. At this point, only their lips were moving. You couldn't even hear their voices anymore. They no longer had, they no longer had the strength to call out. And he himself was so weak from the fast. And also his heart was so broken about about his wife and the children. He strengthened himself. He got up and he walked outside. His wife screamed out. So she called out not to leave. If we have to die, then at least we'll all die together. But this righteous person, this poor shoemaker, he didn't lose trust and hope in Hashem. The Yermini said, He said to his wife, I'm not going to meet death, I'm not going to die. I'm going to meet the living God. I'm going to to the forest to call out to my father in heaven that, that we should have a miracle and be able to live he went and he turned his eyes up to Shemayim and he said please Hashem even before you created the world, you chose us to be your children. Your servants would be near you. 
Tamid Darish Chinasra Kedayishi Monabarits. And your holy presence always dwelled with us in the land in Echisel. And you lifted us up and you brought us on an eagle's wings. As if you brought us in, in your arms and, and to your breast. And it was so good. You remember from the old days when you had something on your mind, you would share it with us. Not only, not only from, not only from the heavens did you speak, but you spoke within us. And you would mamish, you would mamish communicate with, with the navi and people who dwelled amongst us, who lived with us. And we were, we were able to hear the voice of Hashem speaking to us. Straightening us out, telling us how to live. And there was a time when, a long time ago, in the entire world, when the entire world would tremble from us and from you. And the whole world the whole world would say the whole world would say how is it possible not to be terrified of these people within whom the mass of the world dwells and protects them, surrounds them and dwells within their bodies and souls and how bitter it is for us now that you hide your face from us the heart is longing for your holiness. Ashenistra, that is hidden. And the soul calls out, Bring me near to you, my father. Vain Keshav, and we feel that you're not listening. Even at a time when there's a little, when there's a little awakening of tshuva of, in the heart of a person, of a Jew. And he thinks, It must be because of all of my sins. That Hashem has pushed me away. Still, we struggle to return to you. And we believe that you, like a compassionate father, will return to us. It's still better. That from the time that you have become hidden to us, even though we still try to do tshuva and come near you, come close to you, we've we've been we've been confronted with so many tsaras. Hein that comes to making a panosa living, vein in other matters. As a result of our tsaras, the hearts have so dulled. We've become so we've become so paralyzed by these tsars. And that our souls are so preoccupied with tsars. Are so preoccupied with tsars. To the point that that our service of Hashem has been has been really terribly, terribly hurt. As a result of this, as a result of this, because a person, then a person becomes 
a person who is lost in his sorrows, when he starts that, he becomes totally preoccupied by them. Totally preoccupied by them. So he doesn't have the, the presence of mind to, to think about anything else. So this, the poor shoemaker says, Master of the Universe, it's not only for myself that I'm davening. All of your children, all B'nai Yisrael. Compassionate Father. How have you abandoned, how have you done this? To leave your children in a world so sad. And they feel so, and it's, it's a world that's so sad and so horrible. And they feel so alone. How you able to look and to watch your children languishing in their blood from their injuries, from being beaten? And how could you be silent? I'm not only asking you to provide your children with a parnosah. I'm asking for you, my father, my beloved father, and the holiness of my of the holy king, of my holy king I'm seeking. Because because of our tsaras we simply have lost our cheshit to go on with life. Karevo son of his Bring us near to you and become revealed to us. Rachem Elenu, Pideo Yisanu, save us, redeem us, Ushlach Lonus Mashiach Tzidkecha, Ata, and send us Mashiach now. V'na'avodcha b'yiru b'ahava, kashe levaveinu mishtake kimu miachelem, so that we should be able to serve you with great awe and with great love. Kashe levaveinu mishtake kimu miachelem, as our hearts long to do, we really do. and it was that he was doing this for a long time crying and davening he passed out and he couldn't he couldn't be revived from his fasting and from crying he fainted all of a sudden a person who who's fainted can sometimes be revived. He suddenly was able to smell something very, very delicious. It was a wonderful fragrance. And this did, to some degree, he felt his ruach coming back to him a little bit. And he, and he opened his eyes and he saw. He saw a beautiful flower. That was in the forest. And it was from that flower that this delicious, that this delicious odor was coming. And he strengthened himself. And he got up. And he cut this. He brought. He, he took this flower. And since it was able to revive him a little bit, he was running home. Maybe this would help his wife and children just to, to give them a little bit of something. And along the way, and along the way, he was trapped where he was walking. There was a there was a wagon, and there was a, a an odd and a parrots. 
Batame the Merkava Vayikre Lovaodan and the wagon stopped and the and the uh, owner the this this parish, this wealthy person called out Shmalocha Ani. He says hey you poor man, Lomalocha Parakaza, what what do you need that flower? What's that flower for? If you give that flower to me, I'll pay you for it. And the poor man answered, It's not money that I need right now. I need a loaf of bread. For my wife and children, three days haven't eaten. I'll give you the flower of and I will also give you a bracha before Hashem. And he made an exchange. The flour was given for the loaf of bread. And he ran home, obviously, uh, with joy. And that night when he, when he was sleeping, he had a dream and he saw his father. And his father was tearing his clothing in his dream. Sayek screaming, and pounding his heart. And his father told him in his dream, you should know. That that davening that you did in the forest today, that, that we, that, that we were, that we were reading, that fila, also barash lamoru, it caused a tremendous commotion in Rosh and all of the Malachim were awakened and screamed at Hashem, How long, Hashem, will you not have pity, compassion on your on your flock that's oppressed, and your children who are who are drowning in their tzaris, and still they refuse to forget your name. And they're still so attached to you despite their tzaris. And his father told him in his dream that that horrible iron wall that separates between the Jewish people and Hashem since the Churban, that was that that wall was about to be totally broken from your tefillahs. And all of the tefillahs that the Jewish people have been davening and tefillahs that were not able to reach the throne, that were not able to go up they began to make their way to Hashem. And great compassion was awakened in Hashem. The Galas is to finally bring Mashiach. The Cruz. And the proclamation went forth. That because you, my child, he says in his dream to his son, that it was your davening, it was your tefillah, that finally brought, that was, that finally brought this end. Therefore, you will have the privilege, as Chazal tells us, that there's a certain plant, that with that plant, there's going to be the Koch of Tchias HaMesim. Therefore, this Perach, this flower, was was revealed to you. And his father told him in his dream that I was sent, to, I was being sent to you tonight to tell you in, in your dream. Allah to, to tell you what? Shatelech, to take that flower. And to go to go to heaven. And to the other graves of the Nevi'im. And you would have had the power of that flower to revive them. 
the Avi was Mashiach Sekainu, and they would bring Mashiach Sekainu. Bechol HaShamayim Vehechle El Yainaz Sa'ir V'Simcha There was unbelievable light and joy in all of the higher worlds. Malachi El Yain V'Nishamas Tzadikim Samcha The angels in all the Nishamas of the Tzadikim rejoiced. The Raj Godel V'Yilol HaNaz Sa'etzel HaSatan V'Akaz Delay And there was a tremendous confusion and tumult by the Satan, by the evil one, and all of his cohorts. Mayal <coughs> What are they going to do now? They're out of business. That's it. So there was one great last effort that was made by the other side to deceive you. To be able to get that flower away from you. And that Paritz that, that was on the wagon today, he was a shliach, he was a messenger of the evil one. That conspired to steal from you, to take away from you the flower of of the resurrection of the dead. And his father told him in his dream, You know how many flowers we've passed up in our lives? It's hard to believe that not, that not one has been able to hold out to take the flower to heaven. Not one. He says, His father says, Not only have you hurt yourself, the entire Jewish people, and even to the Shekhinah herself. Everything was in your hands. The obvious Nevi'im, Sadiqim, Mashiach himself was, was in your hands. And all of this was exchanged for a loaf of bread. And now the Satan, the evil one, and all of the, all of the destructive angels, now they're rejoicing. And they're mocking us and making fun of us. And all of us are humiliated and crying. And now all of the tzaddikim, the neviim, all of the malachim are screaming. And they're asking about you. Who is that person? Who destroyed all of this? And extinguished the light of holiness. Could this be a Jew that did it? Someone who has a Jewish name, who's called a Yid. So the Rabbi says, You're very upset about this poor shoemaker. That he forfeited everything. He forfeited everything in redemption and so on because of what? Because of a Dovishal Mabakach. But we're thinking, when you read it, you think, what do you mean Dovishal Mabakach? His, his, his wife and his children were dying. And the Rebbe says it was Dovishal Mabakach. Vim Olav Tidag Shlohoiloi Lasa Sacheris. So the Rebbe says, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking is, what could he have done? 
So what, what could you? What could he have done? He had a flower. He had a flower. And stuff called stuff a flower. But but the the pirates had had the pirates had the the, the key to, to life. The pirates had the bread that would resurrect the dead, that would revive his wife and children. So the Rebbe says, "V'molav tidag shlohay lelasus acheres ki loyadosh nisayin lefanav." He didn't know. The shoemaker didn't know that this was a horrible nisayin. That this was a test. Ech tidag af tik tzayf alecha. So the Rebbe says, Don't you know that every single moment of your life, like it says in Mr. Sharp, right? Every single moment of your life you're being tested. So you're thinking, Look, that. That poor man, he, it was a question of life or death. So there's not one of us that can't forgive him. We forgive him. We understand that. We understand him. What do you expect of that? What do you expect of him to keep the flour and not, for, not to go for the loaf of bread? So every one of us, every one of us feels bad for the Ani. And we feel like defending him against all the accusations and the, that's going on from all the law from the screaming and yelling. We're saying, listen, you know, leave him alone. What do you want from the guy? He was overwhelmed by Tsarus and his wife and kids are dying. But the Rebbe says, but look at you. He says, Bocher, Misrape, I mean, it's for married guys also. He says, every little thing, Tich Samid by. But you, you don't, with God's help, your wife and your children are not dying. And any little thing, any little, any little thing that gets in your way, Tichra, you bow down, you give up. You have the ability to be a great, a great Tamil to be a great Sadiq. You have the great, you have the great ability to draw Hashem's presence into the world. Within you. Such a degree that other people because of you, the other people themselves will be inspired and become holy. That through you, so many people can get close to Hashem. I always think of that when you, you know, you you walk into a place and you see, you see Yidin, you see Jews. Hashem is Shabbos Jews, you walk into shul and you see them so excited and talking and I always think about it. I, you know, I try not to get upset. So I think about how, you know, each one of these people, they could be talking to some, they could be talking to some Jew outside of shul on Sunday about 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 a Gemara that they saw, or about something that they saw in his Fasamis, you know, and 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 instead, it's so chaval. They have so much people. Everybody has Jews have so much kayach to to bring the Shechin into the world, and every single moment of life is an Isayin. And the Rebbe says. You have the ability to go out and to teach and to teach the Dvar Hashem. To go and to teach other 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 people about Hashem. To go talk to other people. Instead of talking in Shulga, you can go talk to other uh, to talk to Jews that never heard of Hashem. Talk to people about 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 learning, about davening. Talk to your own children about the Bar 
there was once there was once uh, in the country many years ago there was a kid that told me that that he came he, he was uh, I used I was learning with him Gemara with this boy he was a brilliant boy and he said to me he just added the blue he said that uh, he, he said that my father was always talking to everybody in shul and he talks to everybody in the bakery he talks to everybody in in the in the grocery there's only one person he never talks to that's me so the kid told me. But whenever he's next to me, he doesn't have a word to say. He says, and surely my father doesn't stop talking. But with me, I, I don't hear him. He never talks to me. So the kid said. As the Hashem Talamadai saw. You have so much of a, you have so much ability. You know that Sadiqim say that a person has a certain amount of words. And if you use up your words, that's, that's when you die. Except when it comes to Tarin Tefillah. Tarin Tefillah. It's like they have Lahavda with the cell phones, these deals, unlimited. You know, like, you know, weekends and nights and all that stuff. So when it comes to regular talk, you have uh, you have a certain amount of minutes. There's an allocation. Right? You have that with the cell phone, too. They give you these deals, 500, 2,500. So when it comes to Stam, when it comes to Diburim, when it comes to words, it means even about the stock market and about politics and even about Ariel Sharon and about, and about Arafat Lahavda. You have an allotment. Unlimited use of the Karhadibra. When it comes to Turin Tvila. Huh? That's right. You remember that's good. A person has unlimited use. To talk to the to talk to other Jews, to talk to your children, to teach you know it says in the Zara Kodesh, it says in the Zara, the Archimah Kodesh brings down that if ten Jews would do complete shuva, he says if you get together ten Yid who do complete shuva, <coughs> Mashiach would have to come. So what good is it, the Rebbe says, of course it's good, but Lamayi said, what becomes of this? That you want to be a Jew. You really want to be a Jew. If in the end you're lazy and and you're weak-willed and, you, and you're not able to serve Hashem. That for every loaf of bread that comes your way, any loaf of bread that comes your way in life, you're prepared to you're prepared to to give up the flour. And to Docher Chas and the Rebbe says, and the Rebbe's not criticizing that that poor shoemaker. The Rebbe's defending him before all the angels, because what was he supposed to do? And it was like a, I don't want to say Chas was like a cruel thing, but when you when you read the Moshul, it hurts you. Because why couldn't the flower be given to someone who didn't need the love of bread? But that's the Nisayin that a Jew has in this world. But as far as we're concerned, the Rebbe says we. We don't have to be. We don't have to make that exchange. Anything that you like, anything that appeals to you, you're prepared to jump for it. But any sign, even the smallest test that comes your way, you're not able to. You're not able to manage. You make that exchange. You 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 give up the flower. And whatever it means, so okay, so it's not the flower of Tchias Amesim, it's not the flower of Mashiach, it's the flower of finishing Masech the Megillah. It's the flower of, of, of having a beautiful davening that day, of having a beautiful davening. 
It's the flower of having a Shabbos table with that but that Shabbos the table, there wasn't one word of of of, of Lashnahara, there wasn't one word of Narishkeit, it was just Zmiris and Devei Torah and Devei Chizik, and words of encouragement, the Shabbos table. That's also a flower. It's okay, so let's say we're not reviving the dead, we're not being Mechai Mesa, we're not being Mashiach, who knows, this person, this, this, this shoemaker was a very, very great Tzadik. So let's say we're not, we're not holding by these things. But Sof Kosov, there are a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of um there's a lot of good and there's a and there's a lot of there's a lot of fragrance that comes from each and every Jew that that, that learns a blot Gemara, that that goes to a mikveh, that davens a little bit <clears throat> that tries that tries to to hold back from the wrong thing. But any any loaf of bread that that, that any narishkeit that's in the way is is any Nisayan that comes our way. And it wasn't as great as the Nisayan of the of the shoemaker, he attacked Nisayan. Our Nisyan is our Nisyanis are not like his. And even small Nisyanis were set back. We're not able to we're not able to, to continue and to accomplish. It's because of this meat of his rapus. And you know something? I'm not even, I'm, I'm not just talking about somebody who works in a factory or is it some, in some job and he has the balabas standing over him and because of that he's, he's working to do, to do a good job because he wants because he wants the, 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 the boss to be happy. Because even that, he says, What is what kind of an avayd is it? It's an avayd in the factory. Physical work. What I'm talking about, the Rebbe says, is the awakening of the soul. About the spirit of Hashem lifting you up and causing the wheels of your soul to turn in your body. <laughs> the holy fire and joy. So in the fifth paragraph, the Rebbe begins with Aces. He says, now we're going to begin to talk about, so what can you do? Now that we've identified, hopefully, we've identified, we've detected... We've detected this problem in ourselves of atzlusness, rapus. So how do we how do we remove it? What kind of what kind of exercises, practical advice is the Rebbe going to tell us so we should be able to get to work? Obviously, it, it requires it it requires overcoming to some degree the meat of his rapus to go on. And to put and to try to and to try to use these aces, because what happened? What's going to happen? Even as we learn them, so as we learn them, we're going to be thinking every now and then, I can't do that. I can't do that. So even when we're learning the aces, this is the nature of a misrapa. Also, the nature of misrapa is that you tell him you tell him an aitsa, you give him a good aitsa, and it's a, it's not such a hard aitsa. You give him an aitsa. But that eight, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's not realistic. I can't. This eight is not for me. It's nice eight, I understand. Maybe it works for somebody else, but I can't do this. So we have to, even when we learn this parak, we have to try, even in learning, 
to rise above that hisrapis that tells us that sure, sure, the Rebbe's talking to some Hasidic Shabbacher in, in Warsaw, you know, in the, in, the, you know, in the 19, in the 1930s, late 1920s, it's not, I can't do this. This is not for me. If, if that thought enters anybody's mind, it's only because of Israfus. Because every Eitzah here is simple, clear, and can be mamish put to use today by every one of us. There isn't one of us here that can't live with these Eitzahs. The Rebbe was an unbelievably practical, down-to-earth mechanic. That's what makes his teaching so unbelievably appealing, that although he was, he was up there in Shemayim, he was such an exalted person, but, but he was also very down-to-earth and practical. So there's nothing here that's impossible for any of us. And if we think that it is, it's only because of his rapus. That's it. Harotzen Bolvat. Let's just start. This desire that you have to be an ambitious servant of Hashem, it's not enough. You have to think deeply and to find Eitzes and Tachbulus. And again, the Rebbe is only going to give some suggestions. Remember that the Rebbe's entire point here, and he stated it clearly in the introduction to the kids, to the Bachim, was, you have to be your own Mechanchen. I'm going to give you some, some tips. I'm going to give you some some guidelines, but ultimately you have to think of your own ages. So, what the Rebbe here is just providing us with some, he's giving us some ideas. But we have to take these ideas, each and every one of us, and we have to, in our own lives, to come up with, with detailed, practical ages. One of the things that I always find most impressive is that, is that Tzadikim, when you read the biography of, biographies of Tzadikim, so I was one of my one of the, my favorite. I mean, there are a few that stand out as being very different. So, the biography of Rabbi Levine, the tzaddik from Yishalayim, is is uh, is hafladik, you know, is East Sadikaya. That's a very special, very very special uh, book, Rabbi Levine. I'm sure many of you read it. If you haven't, uh, you should read it. There's also a biography of Rabbi Shalom Shvadron that I was. That I was very taken by. I don't know if it's in English. Uh, yeah, there is in English, right? They put it in English. But uh, yes, yeah, so I read it when it first came out. It was in Hebrew. You know, one of the what I found. I mean, you always read about this. You know, amazing Maisim and Sidkis and Chsodim. That's that's inspiring. But but what I end up thinking about most afterwards, both by Rabbi and by Shalom, and I read, yeah, how they they found in their in their drawers, like amongst their things little tzatlach papers with Kabbalists. You know, when you read those things like that, that, um, like Elul, so between, between, you know, 1130 and 1145 at night, I'm going to do this. And from 1145 till 1210, this. And those, those notes, those tzatlach that they, that they, how, how they lived, is kicheshman dimension with a program. That's what the Rebbe is going to talk about in this parak. To be, to be a Jew, you have to have a program. <clears throat> Many people, you know, you see that most, most successful business people, they have, they have a certain say, they have to go about accomplishing things. I always, um, always, it's a little bit, it's very exaggerated. There was, um, you know, you go, one of the stories that I find, uh, but I, I, I love, 
like stationary, you know, these office supplies. I love those kind of stuff. They have all like these neat things. You know what I'm talking about? These places, the geschmack of all these things. For the, so, so one of the things that like they have a th- they have thousands of different types of these um, calendar. You know, these uh, all these like leather bound, large, small things that you know you could fold and tear out. All these things like of what you have to do. Where you're supposed to remind yourself what you have to do. So, um, I, I always found that my, my excitement and ambition over those books was more than actually doing anything. And the problem is that once you get it, like, what are you supposed to fill it with? And then even if you fill it to actually do anything that you've written in it, right? But you see that Sadik, they don't have, the, they don't have those, like those fancy leather bound, uh, what are they called? Daily, uh, organizers and, uh, the, yeah, they don't have that, they don't have that. And the palm pilots and organizers, electronic and uh, manual, they don't have they don't have this stuff. Like a Raya Levine of Shalom, they had these little set look like from the back of like you know some paper on the street that they picked up. Like 